Welcome to SciSection. My name is Anna, and I'm a journalist for the SciSection radio show, broadcast on CFMU 93.3 FM radio station. We are here today with Dr. Aaron J. Banerjee, a postdoctoral researcher at McMaster University who studies bats and infectious diseases, and who is a part of the team that isolated the novel coronavirus. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me, Dr. Banerjee. Oh, thank you, Anna. So to begin, could you give us an overview of your education and your career so far? Ooh. Oh yeah, okay. That's and that's like so many years ago. So I did my undergrad in uh, microbiology and biochemistry at the University of Mumbai in India, and um, it's one of the oldest schools in India that does biochemistry and micro. So yeah, I, I finished that, did my undergraduate, moved on to a master's degree in virology. So I started that at an institute in India and moved to Canada for my master's thesis at the University of Saskatchewan. And after my master's, I stuck around, worked at Vido Interbac and the University of Saskatchewan, where I did my PhD on uh, bats and coronaviruses. So I started doing bats and coronaviruses six years ago. And uh, then I'm postdocing here at McMaster in Karen Mossman's lab. Between my degrees, I did some other externships on One Health and whatnot. So traveled to Australia for a bit, traveled to Germany for a bit. I think my academic life's been a lot of traveling. So it's, it's, it's not just been science, but it, it's also been a lot of history and, and sightseeing, I suppose. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. So you chose to study bats and coronaviruses six years ago. So how did you initially make that decision? Well, it was, I think it was coincidental. So um, when I was doing my master's thesis, I was in Berlin at the Max Planck Institute for a summer scholarship. And while I was doing a summer training, I met my former PhD supervisor in Berlin. And he had a talk on bats and viruses. And, and of course, it was bats and Ebola viruses back then. Because uh, 2014, we had the, the Ebola virus outbreak in West Africa. You know, so we thought about this. And I looked at his talk. And, and, and he, so he was ambitious. He wanted to start a research program on bats in Canada. And we didn't have a research program on bats in Canada back then, uh, six years ago. So I approached him and I asked him if he'd take me on as a, as a master's thesis student. Um, it was risky because we didn't have the tools to do the science. So I showed up in his lab. And uh, while doing my science, I realized that uh, we could do coronaviruses as well. So it wasn't like, and nobody predicted this, I suppose. But, um, but yeah, so at Vido Interbac in Saskatchewan, they had uh, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome coronavirus. So Daryl Falzerano was a PI who had just moved from the States, and he just started his lab around the same time when I was starting my PhD. So it was coincidental that across the street, I had somebody working with MERS and I was working on bats. So I wanted to take my bat expertise and kind of punch that with Daryl's coronavirus expertise and build a niche for myself. Yeah, that sounds great. So you were on the team that isolated a novel coronavirus. What was the whole process of isolating the virus like? It was pretty exciting because when, um, when COVID-19 broke out in China, it wasn't called COVID-19 back then. It was called a some sort of a pneumonia, an unknown pneumonia back then. So when that happened, you know, people, some of us who worked with these coronaviruses, we, we often speculate what this virus might be. So we quickly realized if the virus were to get on a plane, it's going to be across the planet in a couple of hours, right? Or maybe a couple of days. So we had this team, so we put together this team that had expertise on working with high pathogenic viruses. Now, um, there's a lot, there are a lot of skill sets that you need to work with these pathogens, especially working in high-containing labs. And anybody can learn those. It's not rocket science, but you need years of training. And we didn't want to risk 
new individuals when you're working with a brand new pathogen. So we put together a team, people from NML, people from Sunnybrook, and uh, myself from McMaster. So we had expertise working in high containment labs. We got samples from Sunnybrook, from Dr. Samira Mubarak's lab, and, and um, we isolated it. So what does having the novel coronavirus isolated like this mean for the search for vaccine or treatment for COVID-19? Yeah, so that was, that was one of our primary goals when we went in with the, with the ambition of isolating the virus, right? Because uh, the Chinese scientists had done it, the Germans had done it, Australians had done it, the Americans were doing it. And we also wanted to be able to do it, to, to kickstart our own research programs and, and diagnostics, uh, vaccines and therapeutic drugs, right? So what we've since done is we've isolated the virus and we didn't hold on to it for any kind of intellectual property or nothing. We sent it out to labs across Canada, so labs from UBC onwards all the way to McGill. And, and uh, so basically, I think we're we are sitting at eight or nine universities in Canada that are using the isolates. And we are different meetings. We're aware that people are working on therapeutic drugs. People are working on vaccine candidates. People are also doing a lot of fundamental basic science to answer questions about how does the virus interact with the immune response. That's one of our major focus in our lab. We are trying to identify how the virus can, can attack the human immune response. And if the human response is sufficient to deal with this virus, right? So, so yeah, I think, I think we've gone in and we've actually done what we wanted to do, is share the virus and make science possible across Canada. Yeah, that's amazing. So now that you've succeeded in isolating the novel coronavirus, what are some of the research projects that you're currently working on? Yeah, so there are two questions that I'm personally very interested in, and, and there are other projects in the lab, but, but I'll share stuff that I'm working on. We've been looking at how this virus can modulate human immune responses. So to break this down, when a virus infects our bodies, the virus, our bodies will mount an immune response. That's just what we do when we see a virus. But when a virus is super smart themselves, they've got proteins that can block these immune responses. Now, different pathogens can do this to a different extent. But, and we're establishing this knowledge for SARS too, to identify how this virus can, can or cannot affect the human immune response. So that's really one of our key goals. And we've, we've, we've quickly analyzed some of the data sets. We put that out for people to understand. And we're doing follow-up studies. So we'll have a more complete story out, hopefully by the end of next month. And, and obviously the other question that I'm chasing is uh, um, how do bat cells respond to SARS-2? Because the speculation is the virus evolved in bats and likely jumped from bats to humans. So we are super interested in identifying how a reservoir uh, host, such as bats, respond to the coronavirus and how and why is it different from the responses we see in humans. Those two projects both sound very interesting. So could you walk us through a typical workday for you as you work on these projects? Oh, a typical workday. It's been a lot. It's been crazy for the last... Um, see, I've lost track of time for the last eight months, I think. So it's not just... <laughs> So you wake up, you go, and um, I guess working in a, in a high containment lab is a little different. So it's, uh, you can often step out because uh, if you step out, then it's a lot of doffing off clothes and, and, and your breathing apparatus and all of that stuff. So you have a heavy breakfast, go in, uh, do your science, come back out. And I would like it if that's where it ended, but it doesn't. Because you've got to come home and you've got to do all your experiments in a regular lab. Because once the infections are done and once you've safely inactivated your samples, your work, that's when your work really begins, when you start analyzing all the infection-induced responses. And once you've done that, you come home and you, you'd hope that you're done, but then you start analyzing all the data that you've generated. And then you want to go to bed and you hope you're done, but then you go to start writing all the grants that will fund your science. 
so I think it's been a never-ending uh, cyclical process over the last uh, eight months, and, and I think I've gotten used to it. I used to be tired, but I think that's just the state of my life, so you just kind of get used to it. And, uh, but it's been good. It's been fun. Uh, what, I've, what I've seen is there's so much collaboration within Canada for this, for this science and, and to get out of this pandemic. That's been, that's been amazing. I've been, I'm connected with some of the best scientists that we have in Canada, which is great. Well, I'm glad you're having fun, even though you're exhausted. I just have two more questions for you. The first is, do you have any plans for what you want to do in terms of research once the pandemic is over? Yeah, I think um, I've been doing this science before we had a pandemic. And I think this science is going to be critical to avoid future pandemics. Because um, if you look at the statistics that come to you know, WHO and OIE websites, you'll, you'll realize that more than 70% of infections come from animals. And if you look at WHO's blueprint of priority infections, six out of those 10 infections come from bats. So it's, it's, we've, it's unfortunate we're living in a pandemic, but we shouldn't be blindsided with the possibility of you know, the next epidemic or pandemic. So I think I'm going, I'm going to continue this line of investigation and understand how and why these viruses evolved to jump from animals into humans. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And hopefully we can prevent pandemics like this in the future. So one last question. Do you have any words of advice that you'd like to share with listeners who are interested in pursuing a career in the sciences? What I'd say is it's okay to not know what you want to do in life. You know, just be passionate about what you really want to do and things will, things will fall in place. I, I don't believe in luck. There is nothing as luck, I suppose. I mean, but what I do believe is if you work hard enough, then the chances of you getting lucky increases, I suppose. Like, and this is not my quote. I, I probably watched it in a movie or I, I read it somewhere, I think. But I, I really feel that's true. The harder you work, your life, you, you'll fail in science. You are going to fail in science. And that's the beauty of it. Your life is going to be interesting every day when you wake up. You're not going to go and repeat something. You're going to fail. You're going to go back out and you're going to figure out why you can fail. And I think that makes you very patient in life, not just because you're doing science, but everything in life seems trivial, you know. Because you, you're, de- you're dealing with bigger problems at work. So I think if you want to be a scientist, come with an open mind and come, and, and, and come with this mindset that it's okay to fail. Uh, you know, as an undergrad, you often want to be a perfectionist, great scores and great grades, an A-plus student. And I was like that myself. You know, I wanted the best grades, but, but I realized it's not about your grades anymore. You're going to fail and your failures are going to teach you more than what you're... If everything works for you, you haven't really learned much, you know. But if you fail, you've learned five different ways of fixing that problem. So you've really learned something. So, so come with an open mind and, and, and uh, it's okay to fail. Yeah, thank you. That's very insightful. So that does bring us to the end of the interview, Dr. Banerjee. Thank you again so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And for everyone listening, that's it for this week of Sci Section. Make sure to check our podcast available on global platforms for all of our latest interviews.